you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Well, the power of the Holy Ghost has swept in this house tonight. No telling what the Lord is going to do before we leave the room tonight. Let's stand around the room tonight. It is my honor to bring our friend and certainly no stranger to this pulpit perhaps preaches for us here more than any outside guests that we have that uh, we have to come and preach and sometimes I give him long notice and sometimes I am at wedding receptions on Saturday night with weary feet and tired legs a hurting back and a weary spirit and I say what are you doing tomorrow night and he said I have things going at my church but I will come for you. And so uh, he's here tonight at my request. A friend in need is a friend indeed. And John Reading is my friend. I love him. You love him. Come open your heart in the Word of God. We love you, my friend. Love you. Oh, isn't God good? Lift him up. Lift him up. Lift him up. Lord, you're mighty. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a time we're having tonight. Amen. Amen. Luke 15, 22. What a privilege it's been to see many of you this weekend, and what a fantastic celebration we had. Amen. It was our privilege to be with you at the wedding, and uh, you know, when kids do it right, I think it's worth celebrating. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of easy ways out, and you know, we'll just do this and that, and uh, it'll all work out in the end, but God honors faithfulness, God honors His Word, and so to all of you, who came around with your first family to celebrate, to facilitate, to help with that marvelous, marvelous event. You are to be commended in our love and appreciation to the family, and we celebrate with you. But it's good to be in the house of God tonight. Amen? And here we are. Luke 15, 22 says, But the Father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, 
and kill it and let us eat and be merry. Hmm. Amen. 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 You may be seated. I'm going to talk to you for just a few minutes tonight on this title, The Keeper of the Calf. The Keeper of the Calf. This is perhaps one of the more familiar stories in the Bible. It's an illustration that the Lord himself used to paint a picture. In the 15th chapter of Luke, we have three accounts of the lost and found. We have a coin, we have a sheep, and we have a son. In all of them, there was a lostness. And then, thank be to God, tonight we have the end of the story, which was that which was lost has been found. Amen. In this last of the three, we have an interesting cast of characters. In any production, as we sat yesterday among you, your friends and families, we looked at the program for the wedding and we saw familiar names and names that we would get to know. Who was serving in what purpose in that wedding? And you have a cast. When we consider theatrics, when we go to the theater, when we even watch a show, there will be a listing of the characters, who they are, what role they played, and we identify, we want to know who it is that we are observing. In this story of the prodigal, we have starring, if you will, the prodigal himself. Bible says there was a father who had two sons. One took his inheritance early, left the house, and the Bible says he took and squandered it on riotous living in a strange land. The demise, his end thereof, is one that is terrible. Maybe you've heard the story of how he lifted, lived it up with this party lifestyle until a famine came to the land. The Bible says he has spent all and now he is broke and he finds himself living among the swine, eating of their food, partaking of their dwelling, and it is in this place that he has an awakening where the Bible says, and he came to himself. I can identify with this prodigal because most of us have had a come-to-Jesus moment at some time in our life. Like the driver who has become uh, uh, hypnotized by the road, we come to an awakening, shake ourselves, and wonder, how did I get here? I'm in a place that I never intended to go. I'm doing things I never thought 
I would, and I'm not really sure where it all started, but I know that I'm not where I need to be. And thankfully, we have a witness in the words of Christ himself that gives hope to anybody who has ever found themselves wayward, that there is a way home. And I'm thankful tonight to tell anybody who will hear this preacher, regardless of where you are, there's a path back for each and every one of you. Whether your wandering is more recent or it's been so long that you're not sure you could ever find your way back, can I tell you that there is a place for you in the Father's house. Amen, 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 amen. All it takes is for somebody to wake up and realize that I don't want to keep on keeping on the way I am, but I want to do something that's different. I want, oh Jesus, help me right now because we have too many people that are complacent in mediocrity, living in a place of squandering, just happy to exist. I pray to God that something would shake us and wake us and make us realize that we have a potential, that we have something that is better than what we're enduring. You were made for more than this. You were created for greater than this. And you are called, you are purposed for a better place. But you got to want it more than anything else in this world. This is not a low commitment calling. This is not a low commitment calling. But this is something you got to realize. You got to leave some things behind. You got to put some things behind you. And you got to turn your direction. We just call it repentance. Uh, Repentance is more than godly sorrow. God, I'm sorry. That's good, godly sorrow. But that's not repentance. It leads us to repentance. Repentance is a changing. Hmm. Repentance is a turning around. Repentance is saying, I, I, come on, help me, somebody. Because as Pentecostals and apostolics, we need, to, we need more than just a spiritual hype. But we need to be a turning around place. We need to be a place in the road. The Bible said he saw salt repentance, but he found no space of repentance. I'm thankful for an altar that's big enough for me to turn around in. I'm thankful for a church that's big enough to give me space to turn around. Not ever. Everybody turns around in the same space. There have been mistakes I made that needed more room than other mistakes. But I'm grateful for people that were merciful, loving, and patient enough to give me time to turn around. Oh, Jesus, help me. There's somebody in this place that's trying to turn, but you don't know if others are going to give you room. I've come to tell you, you're in the right place. You're in a safe place. You're in a place of a You're in a place where you can get right. You're in a place. Oh, Jesus, help us. But you got to want to be right. And he said, I got a father. I got a father that's home somewhere. And his servants 
are doing better than I am. I'm no longer worthy to be called a son. I will go be a servant unto my father. I'm thankful when the wayward son decides to come home. There's a father that has preserved the place he left. There are people in this community that are going to want to come home. Maybe this is their home or somewhere across the country they were raised in a church like this. But the saddest story of all would be if home decided that they would become what the prodigal left for. And when the prodigal comes back, it's not what it used to be because we're trying to be what they left for. I'm thankful for some churches, some pastors, and some leaders that said, while some may walk out for an easier way, we're not changing to make it more pleasing to the flesh because when somebody comes to themselves and they want an old-fashioned apostolic experience that changes your life, changes your mind, changes your heart, I want them to have a place that they can come back to. We sing like we used to sing. We dance like we used to dance. We pray like we used to pray. We live like we used to live because we're not fitting the fashions of this world, but we are preserving a place for a prodigal to return. I hope to God that the prayer room is just as hot as when they left. I pray that the worship is just as genuine as when they left. I hope the preaching is just as salvational as when they left. I remember home. I remember father. I want to get back to where I come from. We can modernize the method, but we will never compromise the message. The father waited. The father waited. It's a hard thing to wait. It's not an easy thing to wait. But you trust that which was planted will be fruitful in due season. <laughs> there is a season to all things. And the father waited. And he waited. But there came a day down the dusty road with somebody returning. He recognized the hunch of the shoulders. He recognized the shape of the figure. And the Bible says that when he saw his son 
afar off he ran to him. Some of us have wondered why hasn't God come to where I'm at? Because he's waiting for us to turn around. Amen. The Bible tells us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He came to seek and save that which was saved. You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He spread his arms out, allowed himself to be nailed to a cross, and he shed his blood for our salvation. Amen. He did what we could not do, but he will not do what we can do. Amen. He did the impossible so that we can do what is possible. Amen. He can never, he can never, he can never turn us around. We have got to come to the conclusion that we want to be saved. But when we turn, the Father will run. The Father will come. He will fall upon us. He will receive us in love and mercy. Somebody needs to look at that dirty old nasty liar, the devil, and tell him, you've been telling telling me that God doesn't want me back. You've been telling me that God doesn't care. You've been telling me that I'm too far gone. You've been telling me that what I've been doing is too much for God to love me. But you're a liar and the father of them all because he's waiting. All I got to do is turn. All I got to do is turn and he will run to me. He will put his arms all around the prodigal, the father, there was the bitter brother. There's a problem with getting out and going places we don't belong. There's another problem with staying home, enclaved, cloistered, and feeling superior spiritually because of it. I've seen people, oh help me, never departed, but as lost as the wayward one because of bitterness. I heard people say, I never cut my hair. I always dressed right. I didn't do that stuff. I don't deserve what's happening in my life. Let me tell you something. We do what we do because we love him, not as bargaining chips with the Father. I do my part, you do your part, and we got us a little agreement here. No, my friend, I want you to understand I don't deserve anything that he's ever given me. The roof over my head, the food on my table, the grace by which I sit before him, I have never done anything to earn. There's nothing I can do righteous or good enough, amen, to deserve anything. All righteousness I have is from him. My righteousness is the filthy garments. Amen. I've come to tell somebody today, it's easy to get bitter in the church. It's easy to get bitter. And let me just say this. Bitterness takes time. It's usually those who have parked on a pew for so long, the only thing you have left is bitterness because you gave up your joy and you gave up your peace and you gave up your song and you gave up your dance and you gave up all the goodness and all you got left is bitterness. I'm not talking about a new convert tonight. I'm 
talking about someone that's been around long enough to become cynical and critical and what breeds that is bitterness but I've come to tell you my friend there is even hope for the lost at home Anytime you have a cast, sometimes you have that surprise star. You have that role that no one ever anticipated capturing the attention and the imagination of the viewers. Who is that? Let me see. Let me look at the program. I don't think I've ever seen him before. I'm not really sure who that is. Let's look a little deeper. The Bible says the father spoke to the servants and said, my son who was dead is alive. He has come home. Go, he said to the servants, and bring the robe, bring shoes, bring uh, 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 the, the ring and the robe, bring all of these things that will cover his past and where he's been. And, 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 and it was an act of restoration. The one thing he said is, I want you to go and kill the fatted calf. Go and kill the fatted calf. The cat, fatted calf was a select animal. It was, it was, it was kept separate and apart. It was fed a particular diet. It was rarely eaten, and, and, and they would be preserved for several years, and it was kept for only the grandest of celebrations. It's mentioned only once or twice in the Bible, but it was something that all of them would understand. You realize Jesus was telling them a story to which they could relate, those who were not set at the feet of the great teachers and those who did not think with the temple and the synagogue and, and those who were not learned in the scriptures, but they all understood the role of the fatted calf. You see, it would feed an entire village. Those who did not have could live as those who did have when the fatted calf was slain. Because those who were able to set aside and prepare and sustain and protect and, and all of these things, when, 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 when there was a situation that was momentous, the Bible says when the lady found the coin that she had lost, she ran in the streets excited. She got a little hysterical. She got beside herself. She was radical in her expression. Everybody, she went to my coin. I found my coin. I found my coin. Amen. There, there, there was something about it. It involved the celebration involved others. It's going to bring people in that aren't really sure what's going on, but sure, we'll come to the party. Everybody likes a party, right? Where's the party? I don't know. There's a party over here, but we're all going. Why? Because there's enough for everybody. Bring your friends. Bring your neighbors. Bring your cousins. Bring your in-laws. Bring your outlaws. Because there's plenty. Why? Because a fatted calf would produce five to six hundred pounds of meat that was the juiciest, tenderest, and the most flavorful of them all. It had been prepared especially for such a moment is this. You did not miss when they killed the fatted calf. Somebody had to keep the fatted calf. In an agricultural society such as theirs, it's not uncommon to see the flocks, to see the herds, 
walking in a free-range fashion. Now, those of us up here in Corn Belt, we don't understand, but Brother Jordan's uh, uh, from Texas. He might have a little insight to share with us. But you see, uh, uh, the cattle and, and such things, they were allowed to roam, and, and, and they were allowed to feed freely. And then they would be gathered, but there's something about the roaming. Uh, not only are they consuming food, not only are they able to eat, but the constant motion and exercise it keeps them lean. It keeps them muscular. It keeps them toned. But but when you and I sit down and we eat that ribeye, we don't want the toned gym cow. We want the fat cow. Mm-hmm. We ain't wanting the one that's got the black card or the gold card. We want the one that's been sitting at home on the couch being fed. That's the fatted cow. And so there was a special pen that was made. There was a place uh, where they were kept. Uh, and because of this, they had to have a keeper. They could not go where the green grass was. They could not go where the fresh food was. But the food was brought to them. In other words, somebody had the menial task. Somebody had the the job of just simply, what are you doing today? I'm going back and feeding that calf. That's what you were doing yesterday and it's what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. Why? Because all I do is keep that calf fed. All I do is rub it down and keep its coat. All I do is make sure that the pen is padded. We don't want any bruising. We don't want anything to happen. Why? I don't know why we're keeping it for an event. Have you ever been to a feast like this? I've never been to a feast like this. I've heard about them, but I've never tasted of one. I've never said at one. But what are you doing? I'm feeding the calf. That's all I'm doing at some point. The servant that is unknown and unnamed. The servant of which we have no description. The servant of which we know nothing about his temperament, personality, background, or any other descriptions. He was just the one of whom when it was time it was said go bring it I know you'll bring it because you know where it's at you've been going every day you've been there every day you scoop the grain you sort it out you make sure it's not spoiled you make sure it's clean you make sure it's the best you hold it under its nuzzle you feed it like a pet and yet that's all you do your entire existence throughout this time has just been the keeper of the calf but when it's time to celebrate. When it's time to celebrate, for the Bible says, likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God for one sinner that repenteth when heaven says it's time to party. When the great father of all steps off his throne and says it's time to bring the calf, I'm thankful that there's somebody in the house of God. You may have never held a microphone. You may have never led a program. You may only just show up and be faithful, 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 faithful. When do you get an office? When do you get a title? When do you get recognition? I don't know. All I'm doing is feeding the calf. I got news for somebody. It's not about the calf. It's about the one that's coming home.
it will be worth it all. is a Bible school for a keeper of the calf. There's no licensing for keeper of the calf. There's no special parking for keeper of the calf. But when the altars of repentance are stained with the tears of repentance, I'm thankful there's some keepers of the calf. Jesus help me. See what you're doing is bigger than you. We're not talking about slider time. We're not even talking about quarter pounder time. We're not talking about triple decker time. See what you're doing is going to feed more than you. More than yours and your household. But you're taking care of something that's going to feed an entire village. People you never met. People you don't know. People that may never know who you are. But they're going to sit at a table you made possible with your midnight prayers. They're going to sit at a table that we wouldn't have if it hadn't been when you fasted, when you got behind the preacher, when you showed up when it wasn't easy. There's going to be a table spread, and there's going to be many fed, and it's going to be because somebody was the keeper of the calf. Never knowing when it's going to be needed. Oh, it would be easy if I had a timeline. Pastor, let me know when we're going to eat this thing. Tell me, when are we going to see it? All I can tell is crops have been planted and they've been harvested. And I'm still over here feeding the calf. Mm -hmm. A calf is not a full-grown calf. We're not talking about tough old Bessie. This isn't, well, oh, Jesus, help me. Here's somebody. It ain't coming when there ain't any other option. Jordan, Bessie's got so old, we better kill her because she's going to die anyway. God's not waiting for the inevitable. He's not waiting to the point, well, I can't wait any longer. Well, somebody needs to know 
and you're dipping your hands down in that grain and you're holding it up to that sweet little nose, amen, that there is a point and a time that is coming. You may have seen a few cycles that made you wonder if it was ever going to happen. Let me just say this right here, that there are people in this house that have never sat at the table of the fatted calf. We heard about revivals that swept across the city and turned it upside down. We've heard about those moves where people came out of nowhere and God brought strangers in. We've heard about blind eyes seeing and deaf ears unstopped and lame walking. We've heard about those miraculous events and revivals, but we have yet to see what our forefathers have told us that they saw and we can come to a point I'm not sure that we're ever going to see it because I haven't seen seen it. All I'm doing is feeding a calf. That's all I'm doing is feeding a calf. Have you ever been to a feast like that? No, I've never been to a feast like that. All I get to do is feed a calf. But I've come to tell you, just because you haven't said it one, and just because you haven't feasted it one, and just because you haven't known it for yourself, does not mean it's not on its way. Somebody needs to hear this preacher that there is a feast that is coming upon this church like you've never seen before. Oh, I know you've had great awakenings. Yeah, I know you had good times. But I'm telling you, you got something coming that there's a generation that all you've ever heard about is you've heard. But somebody sat at the table of Azusa. Somebody sat at the table in Topeka. Somebody sat at the table in an upper room. And just because we haven't seen what we've heard about doesn't mean it's not coming. There was a sound as of a mighty rushing wind. I hear the sound of an abundance to the keeper, to the keeper, to the faithful, to the consistent, to the prayer warrior, to the giver, to the sacrificer. I come to tell you, today may be the day, but there's coming a revival down the dusty road like you've heard but never seen. But you are the keeper of the camp. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. There's a party coming. There's a party coming. There's a party coming. Come on, singers. Come on, somebody. You've been faithful. You've been consistent. You didn't quit. You've been anonymous, hidden among the stuff. But there's a purpose to everything you've done.
Oh, come on. Come on, come on, come on. Ye who are weary with well-doing, you who are tired. You who are tired. I've done this a long time, Sister Cheryl. I don't know how much longer I can do it, but there's a party that's gonna be worth it all. Can I say this? Dear Lord, brother and sister Jordan, I know y'all got your act together. You're dignified, you're polished, and you're professional. I'm klutzy, chaotic, sometimes even idiotic. So let me speak from my experience and not yours. There's a whole lot of getting, getting going for that party we had yesterday. I had to go buy new shoes. They didn't have the shoes I wanted in the end. They had to fly them in from South Carolina because I was too cheap to pay for the ones they had in the store. I had to go get a new suit, and I got it by faith because it don't fit now, but it will. And I looked in the closet, and all my ties were fat. It meant I'm old. So I looked at my boy's closet and said, what are you all wearing? Okay, I'll go get a skinny tie. Skinny ties and big bellies don't work. was a lot of prep. Stop feeling sorry for y'all. We all worked hard for that. <laughs> We're friends. Let me tell you something. A whole lot of planning goes into a party. That was not conceived yesterday. Last week. Last month. As I listened to the speakers talk to these Beautiful parents, this wonderful family, grandparents, the drivers. Oh, God, Chris, that's what we got to look forward to. One date could have started years and years ago. But the craziest, now I'm not talking about y'all's day. I know you guys are sharp and professional. Had to be perfect. But let me tell you what it would have looked like at our house. Chaos, craziness, stress, tension. Mm. Mm. What I'm trying to say is the hardest day is the day before the party. Some of you are tempted to give up because it's hard. It's hard to like the person beside you. I'm not talking about your house. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about me. Not even that sweet woman that rode up with me. I'm talking about me. It's hard to like the people beside you. It's hard to think right, talk straight. And we get frustrated and we wonder if it was worth it. Because the party hasn't started yet. And there's some people you've been faithful, 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 and faithful. And you come to a point, and why does the Bible admonish us not to be weary with well-doing? Except the Bible knew and the author understood that we would be tempted to quit right 
before the party because it's the hardest, most tense, difficult duration to endure. And some of you are on the precipice of your party and you're about to say, I'm done, I'm tired of being the keeper of the calf. When if you could realize that just down the road is a boy that's shaking the slop off his feet and saying, today is the day I go back. Your hardest hour is the one closest to the victory. I refuse to quit this close to the party. If I've ever danced, I'm going to dance now. If I've ever prayed, I'm going to pray now. If I've ever been faithful, I'm going to be faithful now. If I've ever given, I'm going to outgive myself now. Somebody, somebody, put your hands into that bag of grain. Look into the palms of your purpose and say, I am happy to be the keeper of the calf. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. It's not time to hang up your heart. It's not time to give up your song. It's not time to lose your joy. It's not time to forget your purpose. Somehow you slipped to the back of the park. Somehow you've lost your direction. You've lost your purpose. Get back where you belong. 